0: So, it's uh, so good to be with you this morning. This is Thanksgiving Sunday. And as I was just considering what to minister this morning, just the word in Thanksgiving, giving, kind of caught my attention. And I just want to speak on that a little bit this morning Thanksgiving, and especially as it relates to our Heavenly Father and the fact that in His great love, one of the most powerful aspects of His love is we see in God's Word that He just can't help but to give, He is a giver. And John tells us in 1 John 4 that God is love, and we all know that if love is real love, then it just wants to give. It's just automatic. When you love someone, you just love to shower that love upon them. Our scripture this morning is James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 17. I think it says 16, 17 there, but it's just verse 17. I'm going to ask you to read it with me this morning. Let's read together. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That phrase, Father of lights, I think for many of us, seems to refer to you know, God's glory or God's radiance. The interesting thing as you study Scripture is that there really is no word for glory that translates radiance. It actually has more to do with the idea of substance. We talk about God's glory, it has to do with the weight of his presence, the weight of of his person. And that's really what what James is talking about. He's talking about about the person of God. In fact, John says as well in 1 John 1 that God is light. So it's not just like there's this light that's detached from God, God is light. And so when light comes to us, it is the manifestation of God himself, his person who is with us. In fact, John kind of links these two words, gift and light to say that where the presence of God comes to us, the person of God comes to us, that that light actually becomes the gift that we need. He is our gift. As Abraham said, he is our exceeding great reward. Now, most of us are kind of used to, in the natural, kind of bouncing between sometimes. We have seasons or times where we feel like we're kind of living in the light. Another time we feel like we're kind of in the shadows. One time we feel happy, another time we're kind of sad, another time we we feel joyful, maybe another time we feel discouraged. So we feel like sometimes we bounce back and forth. But the important thing James says to understand is that when you find yourself in the shadows, understand God is not. He is in the shadows with you. In fact, I don't recall where it is exactly, but I think it might be in Isaiah somewhere where the Lord says that he makes darkness his covering. Now, there is no darkness in the Lord, but what he means is that there's no place you can be in darkness or shadows that God is not there. He moves into your darkness. He actually takes the weight of that upon himself that you're able to begin to breathe again and understand that there's hope and there's opportunity for change. And so there is no darkness in the Lord himself, but the Bible says in Micah 7, he says, though I sit in darkness myself, the Lord is light for me. So he stands outside of my darkness, not in the sense of being detached from me, but we need to understand that whatever darkness I find myself in, it in no way diminishes his light. It in no way decreases who he is and what he can bring to me, what he wants to bring to me. Now, if I choose to, I can be kept in the dark. I can choose to listen to and believe the devil's lies who wants me to not see the light of God, the grace of God that continually shines upon me if I want to do that. But there is no place that is so dark that his light cannot reach me. There is no darkness that he cannot dispel. I was sharing with a gentleman just the other day, and he had been going through a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. But as we just talked, you could just sense The lord's presence began to to just settle upon us as i was just sharing some things from scripture or just things the lord just put upon my heart and you could just see that heaviness begin to lift you could see that the shoulders kind of come up again and just that sense of hope that sense of direction things didn't change overnight but what had happened the light had come as an old hymn sings the light has come and the darkness will never be the same again hallelujah that's a beautiful Christmas song, and it's so true. So the first thing we need to learn, if we're ever going to benefit from this, I was saying to the folks in the first congregation, I guess I made up a word, but I just call it the givingness of God, God's givingness. So there you go. It's a new word for you. It's from the Holy Spirit. So the givingness of God. The first, way that we need to, the first thing we need to learn to benefit from that is we need to learn what the Lord is really like. And one thing we have to understand is that our God is not a heavenly Santa Claus. What I mean by that is not only does he not just give us everything we want, but our heavenly Father doesn't have a naughty and nice list. In the sense that Psalm 103 says this, He does not punish us as we deserve. He does not repay according to our sins and wrongs. Now there is a day of judgment that is coming. We all know that yet future. But in this life, we need to understand wherever I am, Wherever I have been, godly or ungodly, God's grace continues to be upon me. The Holy Spirit continues to draw me. He continues to be around me and move in my life. In fact, most of us can identify with the fact that in times that we didn't know God or we were far away from God, we can all think of times where, man, looking back, I could see God's hand there. I can see God's grace there. I, I knew there were times that God spoke to me, times that He was drawing me. So the, the Lord is always working to draw us to Himself. But the point is that God always has something good for you, no matter where you are. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Your Father in heaven makes His Son to shine on bad and good people alike, and He gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. We sometimes think that, you know, if a person doesn't know God, now we understand if we reject Jesus Christ, Jesus said in John that the wrath of God abides on him, but even with the wrath of God abiding on someone, God's desire is still, I do not want to pour my wrath on that person. I'm looking for someone who will talk to them. That's why when we we just be a witness wherever we are 24-7, the workplace, down the street, wherever it may be, what are we recognizing? There are people away from God, but God is saying, I want to reach them. I don't take delight in anyone who dies without me. I don't take delight in punishing anyone. My wrath is over them because I'm a just God, and ultimately I must punish sin. But what does he say? Who will go for me? Who will tell them for me? You see, God's grace, God's love is always at work. He is the Father of light. He doesn't change. And wherever we find ourselves, he is still around us, desiring to draw us to himself. So God does not deal with us according to just the wrong choices we have made but what i want us to understand is that he does deal with us with wisdom and with discernment with judgment you might say with wise judgment and what he does require of you and me if we are going to understand if we are going to benefit from the goodness of god the love of god is what he requires of us is responsibility and responsiveness there's an interesting story a parable jesus tells in Matthew 25, and basically it's it's an analogy of himself, where he's about to leave this world, and he's gonna leave the keys of the kingdom, you might say, to his people, to to, to believers in the church, and he wants us to occupy until he comes, to advance the kingdom until he comes, until he returns. And so the story Jesus tells is that of a wealthy man, a wise wealthy man, who gathers three of his servants before he leaves on this long trip. He says, I'm gonna come back someday a long distance away, But in the meantime, I want you to manage all my affairs. And he entrusts all of his affairs to those three servants. To the one, he gives one talent. That's just a measure of money. So to one, he gives very, very little. To the next, he gives much more. And to the third, he gives even more again. And he says, I want you to manage this until I return. Now, when we read that story, human nature seems to read into that, oh, well, the master was showing favoritism. Because obviously, one got a whole lot, and, and the other one got next to nothing he must have liked that one more but that's not the lesson at all in fact Jesus is very clear if you take time to read the story he says this that the owner gave to each of his servants how according to their ability according to their ability not favoritism but he knows them so it's according to their ability and when he returns from his trip and has each of the servants report how they managed what was given to him while he was away we see that the owner was very wise In the way he had distributed to each of these servants to the one he had given the most what happened the man had yielded the most in return and that wasn't just a coincidence it was evidence that the master actually knew his servants level of responsibility he did not give an advantage to this one to whom he gave much in fact he gave more responsibility as scripture says to whom much is given much will be required But you see, the master knew the character of the servant and said, I can entrust you with much because I've observed you. I know the character of your heart. I know how much you value what I have. I know how serious you will be. So I gladly give you more knowing that there will be a greater return in giving it to you because I know you. In the same way, the one he gave the least to, what happened? When the master returns, the one who had just one talent, a small measure, he says, Master, he said, I knew you are a harsh man. In other words, I knew that you expected a return. And when he's kind of saying, I believe, he's kind of, you know, inwardly saying, and and I knew that I wasn't a very good steward. So I just kind of hid it under a rock so that when you got back, you would at least have, you know, what you gave to me. And, of course, the master was very disappointed with that. But what's interesting is that the master actually takes the little that he'd given to that man who didn't use it, and he gives it to the one who produced the most. And again, in our natural way of thinking, we think, well, the master was punishing the servant who didn't have very little. But I was meditating on the story. I could be wrong on this, but what crossed my mind was that it wasn't so much that the master was punishing the one who who produced nothing as much as he was demonstrating the value of what he had given to that one, what he had given to all of them. And the fact that, listen, if you're not going to use it, I'm not going to waste it. Because I know the value of what I have. I know the value of what I've provided for you. I'm not going to let it stay buried because there's people out there who need it. Someone's going to get it. And I'm going to give it to the one who will use it wisely. I want to encourage, this is kind of an aside that just popped in my mind, but I want to encourage us all as a congregation this morning. There are things that we enjoy as, as a glad tidings family. We're not better than anybody else. We're just trying to be faithful to what God is calling us to in this neck of the woods as part of the body of Christ. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to his presence, we want to be faithful to his word, we want to be faithful to, to, to ministries and things we feel the Lord is exposing us to, where he wants to grow us and stretch us, he wants to activate us, he wants to be witnesses, he wants to be people who move and believe in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are things that we can enjoy, there are special guests we can have, there are, there are seasons of fruitfulness, there are times like this morning of just a rich time in the presence of the Lord. And friends, every one of us have to understand, we have a choice. We can be observers, or we can be participants. You see, we can either sit in, bask, and enjoy. And don't get me wrong, this is not a criticism. It's just an observation of human nature. Or else we can say, Lord, there's more. There's more. And I want more of you. I want more of what you said. I want more of what I see. I want, I want more experience for myself, Lord, what I see operating in somebody's life. You see, the Lord gives us a taste of these kind of things so that, that he kind of creates a hunger in us. He kind of creates a renewed sense of worship in us, a renewed sense of of gratitude and joy as we walk with the Lord. And we have the choice. We can experience, we can be on the receiving end, we can be on the eyewitnessing end, and we can say, man, that was really interesting. Or we can say, Lord, I want in. I want in. I want in. No, I'm not better than anybody else, Lord. I just want in. And the Lord says, you're in. Here you go. And in the same measure, there are times the Lord can expose you to things where he uses us. He can use you with a word of knowledge with somebody. You come away saying, man, that was so neat, Lord, how you dropped out of my heart. Or he can use you just in, in uh, you know, loving arms wrapping around somebody. Or he can use you in an in, in 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 act of healing, whatever it may be, whatever the need is. And we can experience that. And the Lord has given us a taste. So we come away saying, man, that's what your kingdom's about, Lord. That's what your kingdom is. Lord, I want to move in that. I, I, want, I want to be where you are. That's what it means to follow Jesus, right? It means to go where he's going. It means to walk with him where where he's moving. But in the same time, we can experience something from the Lord and yet not be willing to, lack of a better word, put the work in. And we wonder why it kind of peters out. And our flesh kind of convinces us, oh, well, it's just not your gift. I guess it's just not for you. I guess it seems to come easier to the other person. No, 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 no. You see, the difference is there are some people in the kingdom who value the gifts of God. There are some people in the kingdom who understand what they really are, who are willing to set aside their own convenience, who are willing to decide that their own religion they've got mapped out that's comfortable, and they say, Lord, you're starting to shake me up a little bit. These are things I've been exposed to before. And the Lord says, that's right, you want in. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I want in. Okay, let's go. Well, Lord, i got to go do this first. No, no, come on, let's go. Well, Lord, I don't know, you know, are you in or not? Hey, I love you like all my children, but the reality is there's different measures, and there's nothing I'm holding you back. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. It's for all of my children. The only question is, what do you want? What do you want? Does that make sense? Are you willing to grow? Are you willing to invest? Are you willing to go through sometimes the valley as the Lord, you know, kind of gets the pride out of us or, or grows us in character, whatever it is he needs for us to operate in what he has for us. But the question is, do we want that? Because you can, you can be used by God in wonderful ways. You can witness wonderful things, and it can dry up. It can dry up because the Lord says, okay, let's go to the next level. He said, nah, do no, no, Lord. I'm just kind of getting comfortable again. I'm just kind of, you know? And the Lord says, I don't take any pleasure in those who slip back away. I love you, but you want to know the real pleasure, the real joy? Come on, walk where I'm walking. Let's go. Let's keep going. Value the gifts that the Lord has for you. And I have no idea where in my notes. Okay. So the principle is simply this. That God lavishes on us gifts in a way that he knows beforehand how I will respond. And again, in our human way of thinking, we say, well, if God already knows how I'm gonna respond, then I guess I have no choice. He already knows what I'm gonna do. But friends, that's not how it works. This is not, we talked about predestination last week. I won't get into it this morning. You can listen to the messages last week if you like. But this is not about predestination. What it means very simply is that God knows the choices we're going to make before we make the choices. That doesn't mean he makes us make the choice. He just knows in his wisdom what it is we're going to do. But what you need to know is that God is a giver. You need to know that you are never trapped where you are. Don't try to get your mind all around, well, if God knows it doesn't, know. no, forget that. God says, listen, every good gift is yours. Every perfect gift, it is yours. You have to understand that God is a giver. That's his nature. And Wherever you may be, you don't have to stay there. In fact, Proverbs 4 says, the path of the righteous is like the sunrise, getting brighter and brighter until daylight has come. Now, it's a wonderful thing to know what God is really like. And we, we grow in that knowledge throughout our lifetime, that God is loving, that God is giving toward us. But it's also really important for us to understand how it is that God gives. How does God give to us? Probably one of the most powerful scriptures, I think, in all of the Word of God. is from the words of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says this, and maybe you could read it with me. This is from the New Century version. Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things, Because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he gave us the very great and precious promises. With these gifts, you can share in God's nature, and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Do you realize there is a place we can live where we will not be ruined by evil desires? It's not because we have a list of do's and don'ts of things we can and cannot do. It's because we are actually starting to live according to the promises of God. We're not just living in where we used to be, always struggling with. Rather, we're getting on with the business of what it means to walk with Jesus. And as you do, as the old song says, that the pull of this world, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of what? His glory in his grace. You see, a lot of us, because we won't move forward, because we won't contend, we're just kind of always back here. And we're always dragged down by the same stuff. Or we're always pilling around, like in kindergarten, like we're 40 years old, and we're still in kindergarten. And the Lord says, you ought to be an engineer by now. You ought to be a professional by now. You ought to be, you know, feasting on steak right now. You're still in the milk of the Word." The Lord says, come on, I want you to get caught up in my glory. I want you to get caught up in what it means to know me and walk with me, and you'll discover as you do, you're too busy with that stuff to worry about that stuff. You know why I don't cheat on my wife? Because my father-in-law would kill me. Is that a good reason? The reason I don't cheat on my wife is, be- is because I love her. I mean, honestly, I, I don't mean this in any kind of you know, mean way. I'm-, I'm really not attracted to other women. I mean, I can, I can see a woman and say, hey, she's attractive. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Hey, beautiful person. It looks really beautiful. But you know what? That person didn't bear my children. That person didn't raise my kids. That person doesn't get up with me in the morning when I got scruff and bad breath and hair all over the place. I know you can't imagine it, but it's true. I don't wake up this way. I mean, some of you, I know how you sleep because you're sleeping now, right? I know what you look like. It's not the same for me. Now, under, now, it doesn't mean that I'm impervious. It doesn't mean I, can't, I don't have to be on guard and be wise and so on. But what's the key? Fall in love. Love what you have. And you'll discover you're not attracted to what you don't have. You see, with my wife, even though we're both in our 60s, you know, you, she doesn't mind if I tell you that because she looks great for 60. But you see, we have a history together. And you see, what Jesus wants for you and me, he doesn't want rules. He doesn't want you following him according to what you're allowed and not allowed to do. He wants you to have a history with him. So when temptation comes your way it doesn't mean there's not a real temptation but you say i'm not giving that up for jesus i've got him i'm not i'm not playing with that 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 doesn't attract me anymore and if i do find there's a pull on me what do i do i go to the lord i humble myself before god and i resist the devil and he will flee because i have relationship and that comes through understanding the lord and what he's like and how he gives and so god gives to us how By his promises, by his word. We come to him, we say, Lord, this is what I need. I need this money, I need a job, whatever. And what does the Lord say to us? He says, you have my word. Yeah, I know, but Lord, I don't need a promise. I I just, I need money. Or I need this person to change, or Whatever, you know, that's what I need. He says, no, you understand, you have my word. You have my word, you have my promise. And we say, yeah, but it's only a promise. Now, understand this. I can stand here this morning and say, you just need to know the promises of God. And you say, I don't need another promise. I need this, 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 this. Understand who the promise comes from. This is the eternal God who by a spoken word brought everything into being. That's all it is. That's all he is, right? What do you mean a promise isn't enough? What do you mean his word isn't enough? Solomon said in 1 Kings, the Lord has kept all the good promises that he gave. You see, the problem is, friends, in this Western culture is too many of us do not know the Word of God. I don't mean just in the sense of Bible stories or familiarity. I mean we do not know the promise of God that correlates to our need at the time. That's what we don't need, don't know. We need to get back to memorizing the promises of God. So when things pop up, when life happens, when the enemy comes our way, immediately there's a scripture the Holy Spirit can pick out and say, remember that one? And that scripture comes to mind. And you say, yes, Lord. And you stand on that. And you pray into that. And you meditate upon that. That's the renewing of your mind on the truth of God's word rather than just what it is that's facing us at the moment. That's what gives us hope and joy and direction. God says in Hosea Hosea 4, my people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. No knowledge of what? We've got a whole lot of knowledge of church. we got a whole lot of knowledge of Western Christianity or Christian lifestyle. But he's saying you have no knowledge of what God is like. You're destroyed because you have no knowledge of his word. You have no knowledge of the things of God. And so when things come our way, what happens? We're not aware of God's promise or resource at that time. So I encourage us to memorize promises from the Lord. The Lord says in order to receive his many good and perfect gifts, you have to receive that gift first, the gift of his word. You need to learn to say, before anything else, before, Lord, I need you need to say, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have a word for this. And then we open the scriptures, and by the Holy Spirit, we move into the word, and God speaks to us through his word. So many of us say that we want to know God's will for our life. God's will, very simply, is that we learn to take him at his word. In fact, God's word is the most foundational gift that he gives to us. And when his word gets into our heart, what does it do? It sets into motion this process where now because his word is in our heart, he's able to start dropping things into our life. He's able to speak to us and guide us, whatever it may be. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. We say that with me? god richly provides us with everything to enjoy now i know that you're more spiritual than me but i tend to have times in my life where i wonder god do you really care about that particular area i mean are you really concerned with this particular area of my life i'm not talking about sin but just stuff where i need some help and sometimes i think well it's not that big of a deal maybe you know god's not really interested or sometimes because of something we have done ourselves we just kind of feel like if we go to god god's going to say hey You made your bed. You lay in it. I ain't helping you. I mean, God doesn't say ain't. He speaks better than I do. But, but, you know, I'm not going to help you. You've made the mistake. But, friends, you only think that way when you don't know the word. You only think that way when you don't know the promises. You only believe that lie when you don't understand, as he says, that God richly provides everything for us to enjoy. God's desire is that we live life to the full. What does that mean? It means that we be whole. He wants to bring wholeness to our life, to our relationships, to everything concerning us. And God's word is what gives you a bigger picture of who he really is. And that there's not a single area of your life that he doesn't want to fulfill. The Bible says in Psalm 84, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you believe that? From those who walk, now I know what you're thinking. You're as carnal as I am sometimes. You say, well, pastor, I believe that, but for somebody else. Because you see, if I'm honest, I don't feel like every area of my life is really upright. I don't believe I'm really walking maybe uprightly like I should. Now, I'm not going to dumb down this scripture. I'm not compromising by saying this. But the essence of the meaning of upright has to do with the fact that we have been clothed in the righteousness, the uprightness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way I can come to the presence of God, even on my best day. I still come according to the righteousness of Jesus Christ with which he has clothed me. And so as I live upright before the Lord, as I walk upright before the Lord, I understand what he's given to me, what he's done for me through Christ. Then it's not about whether or not I feel good or bad, worthy or unworthy. I understand, Lord, I come by the blood of Jesus Christ into your presence. If there's sin, I confess my sin. But Lord, I am not going to stay away from you. I'm not going to believe the enemy's lies. I'm not going to believe that this shadow, this valley that I'm walking through is where I'm going to be forever. As we said last week, Lord, you're going to bring me through. You are bringing me through. If it's sin, I confess it. Otherwise, Lord, I come to you and I come to you with with confidence for help in time of need because of what Jesus has done for me. There's friends, is nowhere else to turn. Where else are you going to go? There's nowhere else to turn. And so we come with humility but with thanksgiving to the Lord that he's made a way to come back to him. David wrote in Psalm 3, Lord, you are my shield, my glory, and my only hope. You alone can lift my head now bowed in shame isn't that a beautiful scripture another translation says you are the, my glory and the lifter of my head what does that mean it means in those times that we feel weighed down in those times that we feel like we're under the shadow of death those times that we feel man i've made my bed i've got to stay here this is where i am it's never going to change and i just feel shame what does the lord do he doesn't just send a presence He comes physically to me. He stands before me, and as I turn to him, he just takes his hand gently, and he lifts my face. And I just begin to worship him. And I say, Lord, I don't deserve, but I thank you, Lord, that you don't change like me. You don't fluctuate like me. You don't have good days and bad days like me. You are the constant that I can always turn to. And so, Lord, I turn to you today, and I say, despite what I feel, despite where I am, despite what I have done, you are my light. You are the one who lifts my head. And my heart is encouraged, and my heart is filled with joy, and I get back to walking with the Lord. That's how I stand upright before the Lord. You may be tempted to say, yeah, what what if the, the need that I have is the consequence of my own sin, my own stupidity? Well, God never said you can come to me if it was something that you couldn't help doing. He never put a condition on it. He just said, the answer is for you to come and to trust me that I want to give you everything to enjoy. That's God's heart toward us. And so if you're ever going to benefit from the givingness of God, you have to understand what he's really like and you have to receive his promise to you. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of light in whom there is no variance. There's no change. There's no mood swings. There's no whims. There's no shadow of changing. God is constant. He is who he is. And he says, I am love, I love you, and I love to give. I love to give. If there's sin, let's get it cleaned up. But let's get moving. I want to bring you into wholeness in every part of your life. And friends, I say this with great compassion. And I invite the worship team to join me. But you have the freedom, if you want to lock yourself in the shadows you can live in that realm of doubt and fear but the one thing i would say to you if you choose that don't blame god for it don't blame god for it he has done everything that needs to be done to bring you out he's done everything he can do and he makes it available to you to forgive you to heal you to restore you to activate you, to fill you, to bring you into the abundant life that he has promised you. Anything other than that is a life from the enemy who comes to rob from you, to steal from you, to destroy any hope, any opportunity. That's why the enemy comes. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give you life in the full. And wherever it is, you're tempted to settle down. Wherever it is, you're tempted to just make an excuse for yourself and say, I guess this is as far as I can go and no further. You need to come back to the word of God, the promises of God and God says there's nowhere, there's nowhere that you have been, there's nowhere that you are right now, but if you will open your heart and receive me, I will come to you, to where you are, and I will bring change. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk with him, who turn to him. No good thing. I wanna encourage us to understand this morning, friends, that God's light is shining on you his light is shining all around you, and His light can dispel any darkness at all. In Him, there was no darkness. Literal translation says, In and Him, in Him, there was none, not at all, darkness. There's not a trace of darkness in Him. And He stands beside you and me with just brilliant light and grace and love. And what does He say? He says, All you who are weary, heavy burdened weighed down bowed in shame come to me come to me because I am the one who will lift up your head I'm the one who will look to you face to face and you will see my love for you in my eyes you will see the hope that I have for you the destiny that I have for you but you need to understand I don't just send you my presence I don't just send you my gifts You get me, you get me. And everything you need is in your relationship with me. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or wanna get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel And follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.